Oh, welcome to Providence. We're so glad you're here. My name's Jacob. Man, we just are thrilled to welcome you. We welcome those. Uh, we always have a big group joining us online at this service, so uh, big hello to you guys, all of us as we join together. So good to be with you. I want to start this morning by reading to you the first two verses of the Bible. So if you've ever wondered, like, how's this whole thing get started, if you were to open up to the very front of your Bible in Genesis chapter 1, the first two verses say this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we see earth now, it has a lot of form. It has a lot of things going on, a lot of light and life. But in the beginning, it says that the earth was formless, that it was dark, and that it was empty. And over the top of that was the Spirit of God. So over the top of that, uh, this formless, empty, dark place was the Spirit of God hovering. The Spirit of God was about to do something. The Spirit of God was about to move. The Spirit of God was about to create light, life, love. And so it's hard to picture, right? Our mind does that thing. We try to go all the way back. But over the top of everything was the Spirit of God. And what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is that still today in our world, even though we have this human, organic, kind of gritty existence, that still in the midst of that, there is a spiritual realm. And we've been talking about that. It's been mysterious and even a bit weird at times. But we've been talking about what does it mean that we believe there is the supernatural, and in a part of that, in this series, we've been talking about that there is evil and that there are spiritual forces of evil and even an evil one. Uh, but I bring this verse up to you this morning because my hope is that as we journey out of January uh, into continuing to study the Bible this year, that you don't remember this month as the time that we just talked about evil and the devil. What I want you to remember is that hovering over all this all the time is the Spirit of God that the Spirit of God is at work. Even if you're in a darkness or an emptiness or a place that seems to be without purpose, we claim that still the Spirit of God is hovering over us. On Monday night, I was uh, cooking some macaroni and cheese before the national championship game, which is sort of how we roll at our house, craft <laughs> macaroni, and um, had the boil, set a perfect boil. Um, anyways, you don't need to know the details of the macaroni. But at that time, my uh, youngest daughter, Phoebe, walks up to me, and uh, she had walked in with her mom, and she said, she said, Dad, I've decided to take a self-defense class. And I, uh, I was a little caught off guard by that, um, but I started thinking about what Phoebe and I have been talking about recently. And, oh, you should know that um, Phoebe's desire for her life is to be the president of the United States of America. So I want you to know that. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, Phoebe 2050, who's in? <laughs> hey, this guy. <laughs> but as we've been talking about being president, Phoebe's also noticed the dangerous nature of that role, right? There's been a lot of stuff going on in the world, and, and she's just been asking questions and, and thinking about how that would be a dangerous job. And so even uh, in the few days leading up to that, she told me she'd pull back on that a little bit and actually decided not to be the president. She has decided to be a librarian. Uh, and... <laughs> And so I told her, I said, that's great because after you're president, you get a library. So you can, be a, uh, you can be a librarian, but do the president thing first. But what I noticed in that, what I think Phoebe was feeling is um, that what God might be calling into her into feels dangerous, right? That sometimes what God is kind of, uh, whether it ends up being that or not, what God ends up get, having us take steps out into can definitely feel scary, at times. 
And just the way my brain works, it made me start thinking in that moment about um, an ancient story about somebody uh, just a little bit older than Phoebe, like a 3,000-year-old story about uh, a boy who found himself stepping out into something that was dangerous, thrust into battle. Actually, it was his nation that had found themselves in battle. And some of y'all know this story. A boy uh, named David went to the front lines of the battle, but not to fight. He had gone there to take sandwiches to his older brothers who were in the army. His dad had sent him with these snacks to take to his brothers and to bring back a report. But what David saw when he got there was that every morning and every night there on the front lines as uh, the, uh, the nation, uh, the people of God, the Israelites were fighting against the Philistines, they weren't fighting, it was a standoff. And every morning a giant would come out and taunt them and say, who will fight me? And every evening he would come out and taunt them and say, is anybody gonna fight me? Is anybody man enough to fight me? And they were all afraid. And David, young David, just a boy, was perplexed by that. Why would the people of God be afraid in that moment? And so he starts talking to people. And in fact, he causes a bit of a commotion by talking to his brothers and some of the other soldiers. People are like, what's up with this little boy who's coming to the front lines and is saying we should take this guy out? So David finds himself actually standing in front of the king, King Saul. And in the midst of that conversation, just kind of the courage of a boy, he says, I'll go and fight the giant. And this is Saul's response, the the king's response. It's in 1 Samuel 17. Saul replies, you are not able to do that. You get it? This is a king talking to a boy. You're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David says, so the boy back to the king says, your servant, he's talking about himself, has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So David's bragging about his prowess out in the fields. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion And the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And the king says back to David, go. He he gives him, he grants him to go into the fight. Go, and the Lord will be with you. What do you say? But then, this is what what I want you to see. Saul, the king, dresses David in his own tunic. He puts the royal uh, tunic on the little boy. I picture it dragging the ground. He put a coat of armor on him. Most think Saul put his coat of armor on the boy, this big, and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And here's David's response to the king. He says, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. If you know the story, David instead decides to go out in what he was already wearing, a little pouch he put some stones in. He had his sling, his shepherd's sling, And with one stone, he throws it at the giant, and he slays him, and he falls to his death. What caught my attention, though, was David saying this about the armor. He was saying, this doesn't fit me. He's saying, I'm not used to this. David, was what he was put in by the king, he's saying, I understand what I'm going to fight, and this will do me no good. (laughs) It's not what I need. And I wondered this morning, could we admit that? That some days we leave wherever we're going, and we're like, what I have on is not going to protect me. I know the battle, I know what's waiting for me, or at least I think I know, and I feel ill-equipped, awkwardly, uh, uh, you know, awkwardly placed in this outfit 
and I am not going to make it. I wonder if even we could admit that the armor of God that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, if you've been here, that even this armor of God, we would say, this does not seem to fit me. Could we admit that? Like, this does not, I'm not used to this. So I'll catch you up. The armor that we've talked about, it's in Ephesians 6. The first thing we're given is a belt, a belt of truth. And so some of us might say, the belt of truth is a little bit ill-fitting to me because I've been listening to lies for a long time. The breastplate of righteousness was the second piece of armor. We said it's Jesus' righteousness, his rightness, what he's done, not what we have done, which we can carry out to, to, to cover us as we go out into the world. Some of us might say, I've been living my life for quite some time where I've pretty much been me trying to be right about everything. Like, that's sort of how I was taught to think about it. And so the breastplate of righteousness is a bit awkward for me to put on. The third one was the shoes of peace. Did anybody try that this week? Peace, peace, peace. One person, awesome. Um, You know, (laughs) we said that we would try to step into peace, that the way a Christian fights her or his battle uh, was not uh, in, in a violent kind of way, but that actually every step we take is a step of peace. And some of that for us has been hard. I got a text from somebody. I've got the exact words here um, about the shoes of peace. He texted me Monday morning. He said, I put on the shoes of peace, but I'm still having to walk through the same crud in my life. And his language was even more colorful than that. And I'm like, I love that you guys just feel wide open with me and that you can just <laughs> say whatever. I'm fine if you want to censor. It's like, it's the pastor. You could clean it up a bit. But what they were saying essentially what they were saying essentially is, Pastor, you've given me these peace shoes. Monday held the same conflict that I had left on Friday. So it's just like, this is great to talk about, but it's not really fitting yet. And what I'm going to do today is give you some more pieces of the armor. And what I'm asking you to do is, is, to, is to put it on. Because what happened with David, the little boy, is he was actually given the wrong armor by a king who was not willing to fight the battle himself. But what we are being given is the right armor for us by a God who's hovering right here above us, who's going right into whatever we're going into, who's saying, I've gone before you, I've gone behind you, and so try this on. I'm encouraging you to try this on this morning. In the spiritual battle, there's a few things you have to know. We've sort of been over these, but I want to keep bringing them to you. The first is this. The devil's trick is to take you down, not to take you out. What I mean by that is, is the devil, uh, sometimes we worry, it's like, hey, he's going to take me out of the whole game. No, he can't do that. You've been bought with a price. Your identity is brave, strong, known, loved. Your identity is in Christ. The devil can't take you out, but he can take you down. He can't put your eyes on the ground. He can lay you low. Uh, we've talked about that the biggest trick the devil can do is make you live a defeated life when you're already victorious. So keep that in mind. The second thing is this. The devil can't steal your salvation, but he can steal your joy. I know you're probably not walking around thinking, is the devil going to steal my salvation? But we're going to see why this is so important. But what I want you to understand is that he can, he can steal your joy from you. Like these essential things, these core things that God has promised to us, he's got no handle on it. But what he can do is trick you so much that you have lost all joy and happiness. And when you should be encouraged, you're actually living in a very discouraged, kind of despairing way. The third one is this. The promise that God is offering us is not perfection The promise is protection. The promise is not perfection. The promise is protection. The perfect life, the perfect marriage, the perfect financial situation, even perfect health has not been promised to you. And if we get that mixed up, we really get in this kind of discouraged, despairing way. You weren't promised a perfect marriage, a perfect financial situation, a perfect job. And so that's why 
when your marriage is not going right and your job isn't going right and your, your connection with God is not going right, you are not supposed to just throw all that away because you weren't promised perfection. What we were promised is protection, that God's going to be with us and is going to hover right above us and, and cover over us in the things that we, are, that we are walking into. So the armor for that, that third one, is a shield, and that makes sense, right? A shield is protecting us. Let me read to you just a couple verses where we'll catch up in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. It says, in addition to all this, all what? Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes, peace, 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 okay? In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if you're filling in the blanks, the first one is the shield is faith. The shield is faith. The biblical definition of faith, at least one that we can really grab a hold of and put our minds around easily, uh, is found in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says this, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What's faith? It's it's a crazy thing that only the people of God, people of faith can do, right? I'm confident in what I'm hoping for. (laughs) I'm sure of what I cannot see. I have this faith. I was with a family recently at the hospital where they had received some surprising news, news that discouraged them, news that kind of threw everything off, right? And we were waiting in the quiet. Uh, We prayed a couple prayers. And here's what I noticed. Um, Family came in, one after the other. And uh, the the mother came in to her adult daughter who'd received this news. This is the first thing she said. She said, remember, we have faith. That, that struck me. That caught my ear. Remember, we have faith. And when she said that, it felt like a shield went over us. She didn't say, we know exactly the steps that we're going to take. She didn't say, here's what three weeks from now is going to look like. She said, remember that we are a family of faith. And I felt a shield go over us, kind of protecting us. And so we walk through dark times. Remember how the earth started? Dark, empty, formless. We walk through times like this, and here's what we believe. The Spirit of God is right above us, just like right there. Can you see it? No. We believe it. The people of faith, we we claim it. And the Scripture says our faith extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Our faith, our saying, I believe it. Our faith saying, I I can't see it, but I'm confident in my God. Like Regina could say, my mother sang the song over me. I'm still singing it today. So I have faith. And it's like arrow, boom, 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 right? You know, you're, you're wielding off the evil one. The next piece of the armor is the helmet. And the helmet is salvation. I love that. Put on your heads salvation. (laughs) Like, you know, put on this helmet Buckle it down, you are saved. Put it over your head, put it over your ears. Your salvation is on your head like a helmet, right? Fastened with a chin strap that no Kansas City chief, no matter how hard he hits you, can knock off of your head. Why? We are titans. We are titans. Next sermon series, Titans in the Lord. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this. 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and that's faith, okay? What's faith? Believing something so much, so much in your heart, it starts coming out of your mouth. So Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Put it on your head like a helmet, people of God. Buckle it down. In baptism, we put the sign of the cross on your forehead. That means you belong to Jesus. You're brave, you're strong, you're known, you're loved. That's who you are. Wear it out of this place today. Wear it tomorrow morning when you go wherever you go. It's your salvation. Nothing can touch it. Nothing can change it. The devil can't steal it, but he can steal your joy. He can play the biggest trick on you, which is you, victorious, begin to live like you're defeated. I don't know uh, if you've seen this verse before. It's pretty obscure. It's in a book called Song of Solomon, which is a love song found in the Old Testament. And in chapter two, it says for this, catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. So uh, can you picture that image of a vineyard that's in bloom and out there, uh, the the foxes are just kind of grabbing here and there, right? Pulling this from there and there. And this kind of image of a king and a love song is like standing out, looking over these vineyards, this beautiful thing, all that God has given, the kingdom there, and you're focusing on these tiny little foxes that you can see from your veranda, right, out there taking this from you and taking this from you. That's what, God, uh, that's what so often happens to me in the midst of my life. But the song that we sang, I love, I don't know if you heard it, it says, the foxes in the vineyard cannot steal my joy. And so... Uh, Don't get caught in the trick that I do so often where it's like, I know I'm secure in my salvation. I'm blessed. It's abundant. But somehow my head is down. I'm discouraged. I have every reason to be encouraged and I'm discouraged. I have every reason to be happy and I am unhappy. I can have a morning here where everything is so beautiful and we have baptisms and we celebrate all those things. And then somewhere down in the afternoon, I'm in this place in my own head where I'm feeling discouraged with my head down uh, because one person said that my sermon stunk, right? And that person was me. You see what I'm saying? And so I start listening to lies when I should be listening uh, to the truth. And this is where uh, the next piece of the armor comes in. This is really cool. Up until this point, the five things that we've been given in Ephesians chapter 6 are all pieces of armor that are defensive. Right? They're protecting us. But this last one is where we are taught how to go on the offensive. We're given a sword. It's called the sword of the spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Remember what the trick is. The trick's to take you down, not to take you out. The trick is to steal your joy, to make you feel defeated. And that's where you're going to need the sword, the sword of the Spirit. So here's how this might work. You might be in a place where you're feeling powerless. Even today, the thing that you're facing, you're feeling that you have no power, but you might have sat here for the last few weeks and remember, I remember that we said in Ephesians chapter one that there is a incomparably great power for those of us who believe. You might not have that verse memorized, but you could, you could say that. You might even remember, I, I remember that it saying that the same power which Christ exerted on the cross to conquer sin and death now lives in me. And you start standing up a bit more straight. You might remember the little verse that we said we would memorize for the year to say, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And as you begin to speak that, to remember that, you can find uh, access to a power. It's, it's you going on the offensive. It's saying, this is how I fight my battles. Another one might, let's say you're feeling alone right now. Even though there's people around you, you're feeling alone. 
or in your life right now in this season is a time where you feel particularly alone. I would commend to you a verse that says, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Again, it's calling to and beckoning that belief to us in the supernatural, that there are people that have gone before us, the people of God, the angels in the heavenly realms. And there's a verse in Hebrews that says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. That's a mouthful, right? But what you hear in there are those promises from the word of God. It becomes a sword for you. You remember what Christ has done. You remember where he's seated. You remember there's a bigger thing going on, and there are more people around you, and suddenly you don't feel so alone anymore, and you think, this is how I fight my battles. Maybe you are like me, and you've had fear in your life. You might be able to relate to a situation I found myself in at age 20, sophomore in college, I didn't even know what a panic attack was, but I knew I was up in the middle of the night and I couldn't catch my breath night after night. And I remember, I didn't have these verses memorized, but I remember someone commending to me a simple verse from Philippians chapter four and I began to read it and I said it over and over so much that it got inside of me. And I would say into the night, into my bedroom, don't be anxious about anything, Jacob, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And that's what I would do as a 20-year-old. I would present my request to God. Help me, God. I don't know what's going on, God. I don't know how to get out of this, God. I would talk to God honestly. And the scripture says that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will then come guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Sounds like a shield. And I don't know, this is my story, that I found power in the word of God being spoken into the darkness of my sophomore college bedroom. I found that there was a power in God's word that was like a sword that was like beckoning to the spirit that was hovering over my bed. Or I don't know, maybe sometimes you feel weak. This is another place where this uh, connects with me. I oftentimes feel weak before I come up to preach. I just do. I, just, I, might, I know myself, right? I, I know what level of preparation I put in. I wonder why I would be the one that would get to, get to stand up here. And so there's a verse in 2 Corinthians that I say to myself every Sunday before I walk up, every service. It says this, it's Jesus' words. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul does this turn on it and he says, therefore I would most gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Why do we talk about our weaknesses? Some of you, sometimes people ask me, why do you talk uh, you know, so authentically about your life and what's going on? You tell us about your road rage and all that stuff that's going on there. I'm like, it's not road rage. Like, you don't understand my life. I have to be good all the time. Like in Kroger, I know y'all are watching me. So sometimes in the truck, I just let it all out. You know, it just kind of <laughs> feels good. I've got my hat on and my windows are partially tinted and I'm upset about, not about that as much as just everything else that's going on. And anyways, so the way that, the reason I might admit that <laughs> And admit to you guys that I am a bozo at times is because in that is where the power of Christ can rest upon us. Not by wallowing in our, 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 our sin or thinking I'll never change, but being honest about my own weakness. And we as a church doing that, we feel the power of Christ come and rest upon us, come and rest upon our lives. And so that verse for me is a way of speaking into a darkness and finding a power. 
Just like if you were saying, right now I got a bunch of trouble following me, I would say, no, the Bible says goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Or you might say, I'm walking through a fire right now. Well, Isaiah 43 says that you can walk through the fire and not be burned. You might say, I don't know how to trust God and I have no idea where the path God is leading me on. And I would say to you, Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. He will show you the path. And so I'm not saying that, you know, I've just lifted up a few of these verses that I've memorized over decades. I'm not, not saying that is, you know, you have to figure that out in the next couple of weeks, but I do think you could wake up tomorrow and say, I've heard enough of Ephesians 6 and know I need to put the belt of truth on. I don't remember exactly how it was said in there, but the belt of truth, and I'm gonna start walking in peace, 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 and over my torso is Jesus' righteousness, not mine anymore. Today's not gonna be about me being right and my shield. What was the shield? Oh yeah, shield of faith, helmet, salvation, chin strap, sword, word of God. And you may not have all that, but I'll tell you what Ephesians 6 says. You can remember this tomorrow. It says that you will stand. And so you can speak into your bedroom in the morning, these words, you say, I'm gonna stand today. And you'll be speaking the word of God into your life. And what I'm telling you is you have access to a power there. So go for it do it. Try to see what happened with David 3,000 years ago when he stepped out and everybody thought they were surrounded by the Philistines and David saw that they were surrounded by God. And so what he did is he called to that spirit, which is just hovering. And you can do that too. You can speak to it and call that power into your life. Try it, do it. Put on the armor of God, people of God. Put on the armor of God, people of God. If it's a war you want, devil, then it's a war you're going to have. If he's scheming against us, let's scheme against him. He doesn't want us to rise up as a church. He doesn't want your sons to rise up and be men of God and be powerful and peaceful like Jesus is. He doesn't want our daughters to rise up and be powerful and peaceful like Jesus is. But we're the ones who have access to that. So I think this verse is saying, put on the armor of God, people of God. I'm giving you what you need. Try it on. It might feel awkward at first. Try it on. Put it on. Wear it out into your lives. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we pray that Um, we could learn more about this spiritual teaching you're giving us. It sounds weird and mysterious at times, but, but we believe that you are over us and in us. And so give us now access, God, to that power through Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and was crucified for our sins, who was buried, but then three days later was resurrected from the dead. As we come to this broken bread and this juice, let it be for us the body and blood of Christ, that in just eating bread in a simple way, we could receive the power of Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.